Welcome back to the episode of Who Saved Over My Podcast. Of course, this is a little spectator mode episode. I'm your co-host, Neil Strubig. With me, as always, is Donald Double D DeCray. And of course, for y'all that don't know, spectator mode is our kind of trending news bit. Any sort of breaking news in the nerd community, uh, either related to comic books, video games, movies, TV. You know, we give five or six topics they're due, quick kind of intro what we're talking about, and then Double D and I go back and forth, try to keep it relatively short, three to five minutes, but... Any of y'all that are long time listen to the show, y'all know we can go pretty pretty long and stuff. So we try oh, to yeah. condense it down as as tight as we can for y'all. <laughs> but uh, as far as the topics we have today, we're talking about the MCU breaking box office records, not just No Way Home. Pat Oswalt predicted the beginning of Book of Boba Fett. We're talking about the Steam Awards. Hades winning a Hugo Award as well. Which pretty big news there. PlayStation's uh, VR announcements. And then, of course, Bioware had a pretty big statement uh, as far as on the developer side of things and workplace conditions. But uh, Double D, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so for me, one of the top stories of the year is just how well Marvel movies did at the box office. They represented 30% of all domestic box office sales of last year. So $1.35 billion in North America alone of the total 4.45. And that's coming on the backs of, I want to say... Five movies, Spider-Man No Way Home is a big part of that, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Black Widow, and Venom is technically included as a Marvel movie. I mean, as it is, the IP not owned by Disney, it's owned by Sony, but it is still part of the Marvel franchise. So those five movies alone carry 30% of the entire ticket sales last year. And I think this raises some questions in terms of what is the effect on the movie industry? Is this a good or a bad thing in terms of what's developing with Marvel movies and how that's going. So I'm curious what you think. Uh, I was kind of surprised to see it take 30%. Uh, It's pretty shocking itself. Uh, But then again, too, think about how many movies came out last year, how much was 400 movies, actually. Uh, No, but still, I mean, with theater releases, (laughs) no, with 400 movies, sure. But I mean, think about Warner Brothers, how much they released specifically to HBO Max. Uh, I think Disney purposely wanted to make sure they still had theater goers, so are the numbers skewed? I don't know. It was what when uh, Endgame and Black Panther came out. I think it was something like eighteen percent. Yeah. So yeah. it was significantly lower, and that was what the first you know billion dollar movie kind of thing with uh, Endgame. True. I'm still shocked that Black Widow did as well as it did. To be honest with you, that's pretty awful. But uh, didn't really be made that kind of movie. But uh, at least how they did it. But oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not. I guess I'm not too shocked. It's MCU. We know it's going to dominate. Uh, to that degree that's kind of all that came out i'm kind of curious to see if they continue dominating as phase two continues and the multiverse starts getting more complex yeah because i think i think you touched on some of the important uh points to consider here which is one just kind of like the movies last year were tough because of covid not a lot of people went to theaters so how much of Marvel's numbers is really like the love of the movies or their ability to put people in seats in theaters that there's that desire to see things on the big screen. I think we kind of talked about that in, in one of our shows of um, how some movies you just got to see on the big screen. It's not the same mm-hmm. watching it at home as we are seeing more things released on streaming services at the same time. And I'm impressed they did it on the back of only five movies. You know, I think in the past they've had more movies in the lineup, um, but still, you know, it's not bad. And I, I really think Spider-Man being part of that box office is really carrying a lot of the weight because Black Widow is frankly terrible in my opinion. It was opinion. an awful movie. Yeah, it was, it was really just to introduce her sister. 
Eternals, yeah. eh, and Shang-Chi, eh, I didn't hate them. Venom's on my to-watch to list, so we'll see about that. But that's all the time we have for that one. Going on to uh, Pan Oswald's yeah. prediction of the beginning of Boba Fett. Uh, so, spoiler alert on this one, guys, if you haven't seen Boba, Book of Boba Fett yet, the first episode. But uh, back in, was it like 2013 or so? Uh, I forget the year the episode debuted. Pan Oswald's character... Uh, Basically, the city council meeting had a filibuster, and as these filibusting starts going off on Boba Fett coming out of the, uh, the Sarlacc pit, and essentially it was the exact same opening as Book of Boba Fett. We find out what happened to Boba Fett. How did he survive? And uh, I'm a pretty comical in itself. I'm a big fan of Parks and Rec. I do love Pat Oswald as well. Stand-up's phenomenal. But uh, I mean, what's your take? I really, th- it's one of those things that I can't tell if. Patton's just a fan of the franchise and knows the source material well. So like he had a very informed take on that or the writer, maybe who for whatever segment that was, you know what I mean? That like this is coming from somebody who like really knew the material and, and was writing for it. Or if this was um, just an idea someone heard, it got lodged in their mind. Like I have no idea necessarily where it came from. I think it's absolutely hilarious, though, that it was spoiled in fucking Parks and Rec, which good show you know what i mean but it's not like it's not like simpsons which is you know considered almost prescient in the way you know if it happens in simpsons it happens in real life kind of deal or or like life follows art in that situation a lot of times so i think it's pretty funny that it came out in parks and rec more than anything else that tickles me yeah i mean i know parks and rec was definitely one of my faves surprising uh i liked as much as i did i didn't expect it going into it but uh with pan oswald i guess the director just told him basically just filibuster like in the scene didn't give him anything so that was just so this was all him of off the top that's yeah. I, that's and, a lot uh, of credit he, to he him kind of jokingly said he's like i guess my brain just goes to like star wars trivia and like the geek stuff he knows but it's yeah, funny because yeah. i mean Pat oswald is a diehard geek and i think he always plays those guys that come in as kind of stereotype geek that go off but still kind of a cool cheeky moment in parks and rec and then we end up seeing on the actual big screen on disney plus but uh what's the next topic what we got all right. Uh, next one up for us is going to be the Steam Awards, the 2021 Steam Awards. So I don't think this is going to come as too many surprises for people. Uh, Game of the Year ended up being Resident Evil Village. Not sure how I feel about that. Uh, there were some other nominations, including Valheim, New World, Cyberpunk, and Forza. Um, I didn't feel like those were the strongest ones, personally, but maybe that's just my situation. Like Cyberpunk especially, I felt like had its issues. And was an ambassador for that. VR game, Cooking Simulator. I don't know. Labor of Love, Terraria. Absolutely deserved it. Um, Forza uh, Horizon 5 won for Outstanding Visual Style. Nio Neo, am I saying it right? For the best game you suck at in Neo 2. And then uh, Marvel snuck in here with the best soundtrack and the best story, which game was Cyberpunk. And I think Cyberpunk deserves some kind of a nod. But I'm not sure I trust the Steam Awards, in part because of what we're going to get to in a second. Hades didn't win an award for their game when it came out. So I don't know. Do you think the steam awards are something that are actually like prestigious that we care about or not? I mean, I think it says a lot about the gaming community and consumer points of view. I mean, people going on steam, you're downloading games, you're playing. I think it's a lot of the streaming community as well. Uh, I mean, I don't have a PC, so I'm not really getting anything from steam, but what surprised me, (laughs) uh, I mean, resident evil village. uh, I guess I'm not too, too shocked. I won game of the year. Cause again, it was a pretty big streaming thing. The uh, big lady we talked about, uh, what's her name? Lady Demisu, whatever. I'm going to mispronounce yeah. it. 
Uh, I mean, everybody was pretty I'm much simping for her. Either. So <laughs> I think <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Looking at the candidates for the VR thing, I'm glad that the cooking simulator won because I mean, really? if Sniper Elite or Medal of Honor won, I'd be kind of like concerned. I don't know. It's <laughs> there's just a lot of first person shooters for the VR, which made me kind of like just concerned in general. I was like, wow. So people just like horror and super violent games on the VR. That's uh, glad cooking simulator at least is in there for just some calmingness in the virtual reality realm. Yeah, I get. But, well, and I wonder too, in terms of like, how well are they able to emulate these different games, right? Like shooting games, I don't know if you get the same feedback. We're cooking game, chopping and stuff. I don't know. I feel like it's a good transfer to the medium. And I feel like we're going to get back to this in a minute. But uh, yeah, fucking not giving Hades its due. Yeah, I mean, you, you're you pretty big on that. I mean, I mean, Hades won the Hugo uh, last year, which for any of y'all that don't know, the Hugo Awards, big science fiction awards, uh, science fiction and fantasy, it dates back to what, mid, early 20th century? Uh, 1953 exact... was the first year that they did the Hugos. So there you go, right in the middle of the 20th century. Uh, mm-hmm. First time they had a video game category, and I mean, Hades ultimately won. I actually haven't played it. I don't know a single person, though, that has, that has anything negative to say. Uh, it's probably one of the only games in recent memory, at least for me, I think that maybe last of us that I haven't heard a single person that's played it, have anything negative to say about it. Oh, dude, it's a phenomenal game. And, uh, like the super giant games, the publisher of those, I'm pretty sure they did, um, two other games that I also played. What were, what were those games? Uh, transistor, I want to say, and bastion I've played as well. Um, I'm looking now. They've also done something called Pyre. I've not played Pyre, but I've played Bastion, Transistor, and, and Hades now. And they're all these like kind of like roguelites. They vary from play to playthrough. And like it's it shows, I think, very well that you don't need to have like super complex game systems to have complexity in a game to have replayability. You know what I mean? Like some games. You know, you, you make different choices to see different sides of things. Some games you put together a different build, so your play style is different. So that's different. Um, this like has the same like core every time you go through, but like your choices do make a difference and, and the power-ups you take do make a difference. So like, it's still that, but, um, it just does it so well. And it's so gorgeous, man. Like the visual style as well is insane. Like, I really think they got passed over in the steam awards last year. Red Dead Redemption 2 ended up taking home game of the year. I don't know if I agree with that. Ultimately, we'll get a, get a bit off topic, but coming back to the VR bit, Horizon Zero Dawn, has a new VR game coming out, which is what Horizon Call of the Wild, Call of the Mountain. Sorry, Call of the Mountain. Yep, I almost said Call of the Wild. It's Jack London is actually <laughs> producing the game, <laughs> but uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain, uh, PlayStation's new VR, it got a lot of acclaim. To be honest, a lot of people came right out, super hyped for it. Uh, it does pick up your eye movements and everything else. So with the archery component of Horizon's gameplay, the whole kind of crouching and stealth should be well received. Me personally, I'm not a big VR guy, but I mean, how do you feel about it? Oh, I mean, I'm looking forward to VR gaming in general. I just think the issue is making it an actual immersive experience. So like coming back to like what we talked about with the Steam Awards briefly, shooting guns in VR, like the guns don't have any recoil or kickback. It's, it, you know what I mean? Like they, it hasn't gotten to the point where even Duck Hunter had some kind of like basic actual like gun mechanics that you could like shoot it and, and you know what I mean? Pull a trigger or something in your hand. So like. I felt like you were more immersed almost in Duck Hunter than like VR games these days. Horizon Zero Dawn definitely, I think, is a good title for it because it's got stunning vistas. You'll love seeing it. 
It has a lot of like bow play and like throwing of things. So like you can get that physicality to it. The sneaking around as you're going through the different avenues, like crouching down. So like, I think it has a lot of potential depending on how they develop it to make it a very immersive uh, play experience and show us the potential of what VR could be. No, I think you're right with the, uh, the actual scenery and the landscapes. I actually didn't even think about that, to be honest with you, with Horizon. And that's a captain made of me playing it. So I can only imagine them putting the goggles on and going in. It's just, I don't know, for me, the VR experience, it still seems very just foreign to me. And that's like something I don't really, I have no interest really in exploring. Uh, and maybe I put a pair on, I don't know, but the only VR game I ever played was in Disney World. And it was like an Aladdin VR game at the old uh, Disney Quest. I don't <laughs> know if you remember that it was like right by Circuit really? Lane, downtown no. Disney. Yeah. And it was awful. It was just like chintzy pop, 8-bit graphics. It like made me nauseous because like the, <laughs> the magic carpet was just going up and down sand dunes. I was like, nah, I'm good. So, oh, dude, I don't know. I'm just imagining also, getting up on that tall neck and looking out, man. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, I also just like the spatial awareness. I don't want to be knocking over stuff in my house, you know? <laughs> uh, well, that might just be a, a you issue. But then again, uh, I want to say floor space comes at a premium these days. So I don't know. <laughs> Last topic. What do we got? The, uh, Bioware update, right? All right. Fair enough. Uh, Bioware's GM actually earlier today, um, what's today? The sixth. He released a big statement on their website, basically looking ahead at the new year, paraphrasing a bit here. He basically looked at basically workplace environment, making sure people could work remotely and have the flexibility to basically be the best versions of themselves. And this is going across, you know, North America studios did talk about a couple of new titles, uh, legacy of the Sith. It's a new star Wars expansion with the old Republic, uh, next month. Talked about some new things coming out too, with mass effect, uh, well, mass effect day. And also talked about the success of the legendary edition and, you know, basically fans keeping that whole series alive and the, uh, resounding success it had too with fans coming back to the series talking about sharing it uh i know we talked about tremendously on the show already but i think the big part of this is how much heat studios have gotten especially with blizzard leading it and bioware got in trouble too for workplace conditions in 2019 uh which again a lot of video game developers have kind of been in this kind of hot water between sexual harassment and essentially these unrealistic quotas and this high anxiety, high stressful environment too. Um, so from the Twitterverse and from what I've seen on social, pretty well received with this statement and at least a step in the right direction. But uh, I expect at least we're going to see a lot more of this kind of things from developers. I don't know. Well, I think it touches on, for me, it touches on on two things. One is the issue of developers kind of being shitty to consumers and their fans, right? Like, the kind of the blatant money grabbing, the release of the, you know, the beta releasing of games and pre-sales and stuff of unfinished games. We'll fix it with patches and stuff like that. Features being pulled, you know, they demo games at, at things and they pull it out. And so like, this definitely is going along, I think with the idea of like, Hey, we're building transparency. We're building rapport. We want you to trust us. And along with the other issues you talked about of like video game developers have traditionally been very shitty to their employees both crunch time hours, like working hours and stuff like that to get things done has been ridiculous. Um, and treatment of female employees has been really bad. And in, in one of those topics that's come to light more recently. So it's a nice sentiment he's expressing all around. Uh, you know, glad to hear it. My curiosity is whether or not they'll live up to it. No, it's a good question to ask. Uh, 
I will say this. Do you feel Bioware does a better job than some other studios? Or at least the conversation with fans and that perception, oh. which is, I think, at this stage, almost 90% of the battle. I mean, we can have a whole topic dedicated to that uh, down the road, but uh, the public perception is, I, I feel, more vital than anything else nowadays. And Does Bioware do the best job with that? Well, and so, you, you know, I really don't know because, like, they, in some ways, I think, have hit their heyday, right? Like, they got big on... Uh, Baldur's Gate games, obviously. They did Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which was very well received when that came out. Mass Effect, the franchise was theirs. Uh, Dragon Age, they did a bunch of those games as well. All those were great. Um, then we get into some of like the Command and Conquer. I don't know if that was such a great game. That was 2013. Mass Effect Andromeda was not nearly so well received in 2017. Shadow Realms was just canceled. Anthem also just bombed on release. So, like, they had a, several eggs in the most recent years. They've dropped Legendary Edition, which is nice, but it's rehashing old work. They're doing another Dragon Age and a new Mass Effect, so they're going back to, like, tried and true hits, so to speak. But, like, I don't know. It's, it's tough for me because I can't tell if they've become comfortable in their success and, by extension, feel like they can get away with the shittiness and, like, the way they treat their employees and everything else, right? Because what you mentioned with Blizzard, essentially... People are just so stoked to work for Blizzard when the opportunity presents itself. They kind of stomach those crappy conditions. People are so stoked to work for Google or Apple. Like these tech companies are taking advantage of like the Zeitgeist or the the <laughs> almost like cult like fans that they have that just want to work in for that company. That it almost becomes predatory in, in the way they take advantage of their employees. So, so I mean, you're gonna give me PTSD with journalism here. So <laughs> the way that goes, yeah. At least, I don't at know. least the tech guys and video game guys actually get paid. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we're definitely running long on this topic, so I, there's more to say here. But I mean, my my closing thoughts on it would be: it's great that they have the awareness to identify these issues and to discuss them. I am very cautious in terms of whether that will translate to real change in the company and its culture, or if this is like a PR lip service thing, that's not really going to change. So I guess I'm in a very much wait and see type position. Oh, that's fair. That's fair, fair take. Uh, I mean, that's, that's all we got for today. Uh, as you guys know, spectator mode, basically doing a rundown of, you know, five, six topics, trending news topics each week. Uh, so hey, if you're subscribing to the page, you're getting an update each time it pops up on uh spotify and our youtube channels but i mean going forward with this guys feel free to uh you know give us some feedback in the comments what you guys like if you like kind of the quick boom 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 uh with this too you know we have the kind of the counter at the bottom there we don't have any uh harsh kind of cutoffs as you notice as we kind of go through this but i mean let us know what you guys like what's working for y'all yeah. and again any topics y'all want to hear definitely um, always open to D. ideas but uh no you want to take fun. us out man take us out yeah, take us out, man. Oh no, I've never, I've never done this. Do you realize I've never done an intro <laughs> or outro on my own? No, oh, no, it's no. easy peasy, you know. Give the, uh, you know, shameless, selfless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, shameless, selfless uh, promotion there. Promotion. And, uh, what do I have to promote? Yeah, click like and subscribe, guys. And, and, <laughs> get, and get, that's what you gotta do. Man. Is that you know, is that what the world it. is these days? Yeah, uh, it's all damn. about that, man. I try not to spam you guys too much at the end of it. I try to just do like you know, subscribe if you haven't, and then like one video. 
Oh um, man. But I'm going to start just popping up a bunch of stuff all of a sudden out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Is that really how this is going to go too. for you? Not even sponsors, just like random shit. You know what <laughs> mean? Like, did you get the fried chicken today? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by my lunch. <laughs> Getting me through the day. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate you stopping by. We're hoping to put these out, you know, once a week so that we can stay topical and give you what we consider to be the most important. So uh, drop a like if you appreciate what we're doing. Any comments, any ideas, any feedback, always appreciate it. And, uh, you know, have a good one.